everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. I am your host, as always, Timuchin here in Cold Ash, Chicago. And with me, we have the usual trio. And man, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, but let's start going around first. Galley is with us, as always. Galley, what's happening, man? Uh, not too much. Not nearly as freezing as it is in Chicago, but it is damn cold. Um, that storm that killed everyone in the Midwest, it uh, saved me from having to go out to Western New York f- for Christmas. But uh, Kelly had headed out of town today. So somewhere here with me tonight is Smokey, who might make his podcast debut because he's just running free in the house. So we'll see how long he allows me not to pay attention to him tonight. That is dangerous. That is dangerous. Yeah, we, 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 we can make an appearance. We, we've had we've had worse appearances. So uh, Alan is with us as always. Hey, Alan. And of course, the guy who makes me look like an optimist day in and day out. Bickler is with us. Bickler, what's happening, man? You're smiling. So I'm <laughs> a little happier. Oh, dude, I was super positive today after after the first half. After Come the on. first half. Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it's pretty pretty painful but it works it works makes me look like an optimist but i know what will make you guys look like a pessimist is our trivia section and i'm glad as hell that bj is here because when he sent me the question i was like man i'm gonna have like to have to give a press conference off this especially with bickler and stuff asking a bazillion questions so but he said i don't like that start don't like that that's not a good start to this that is not a good start to this but that's where why we have bj presented bj what's happening that's why i'm here good evening gentlemen hope you all had a good holidays as good as it Mine was good, but I, you know, we'll see how these guys did. We'll talk about it as we go. Man, your backboard is getting more and more decorated over here, making Galley look worse. By I'm the just day. having lots of fun with that. Yep. <laughs> go ahead, shoot away. What All do you right. have? All right, we'll, we'll try to make this quick. I know you got a lot you want to talk about today, but what's interesting is over the last couple of seasons, um, a lot of fans and even pundits and everything, I keep hearing talking about how Liverpool doesn't do that great after the restart. Between the restart through the end of January, to which I give them my typical reply of, you know, just like your opinion. But let's look at it honestly and think about it. So here we go. Looking at matches, league matches between Boxing Day and the end of January, in how many seasons has Liverpool lost more than they've won? Not counting draws, not counting FA Cup, Moose Cup, Champions League, just the league matches. In how many seasons out of 30 have they lost more than they've won? Bickler, shoot us a number. How many seasons? Uh, I'll go seven. Yeah, it's still my number. Matush has four. Yeah, I was. I, I'll split. I'll split them because I was gonna go somewhere right around there. I'll say five. See, I think this is gonna be very telling over here. Go ahead, BJ. Shoot the answer. One. The very first present. season, 92-93, record of one, one, and two. We have only dropped 
more than half the points in eight seasons. 24 seasons, we got 50% or more of the points. And with the win today, Klopp is 26, 9, and 8 from Boxing Day through the end of through the end of January. That so is like an awesome possible point. Yeah, I, we still I suck in January. Ran, yeah, I should have just <laughs> randomly guessed. But remember, that was league matches. We left out the Carabao Cup. We left out Champions League. Yeah, we left out true. all the other distractions. But we do pretty right, good it is, in the league. It is usually the FA Cup where we uh, lay a big fat egg early in January. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. Each year. There we go. So, Thanks a lot, okay. BJ. Appreciate it, man. Yep. Go take, take care. Easy. Have a good one. Yeah, I think it, more than anything else, it kind of like shows the importance of, you know, even how draws can hurt you. Because I think we have that impression because th that's a lot of draws in there. And those hurt just as many as losses ever since, you know, obviously we have like the, the three-point win system. But that was kind of like a odd one. I kind of guessed like my guess was like three to four. I did not think one. Alan says nine. Jeez, got to be more optimistic than that. What are you, Bickler? But. Let's start with the good news. Let's start with the good news. Uh, so I think this is as official as it can possibly get until like he's actually playing and the contract is signed and stuff like that. But this came out of nowhere. We were probably going to talk mostly about the game, but obviously <clears throat> this one this is the hottest news uh, within like three, four hours. Interest, signs, here we go, tweets and everything like that. Bickler, what is your reaction to Liverpool getting Cody Gakpo. Uh, <clears throat> well, my first initial gut reaction, I think, is pretty, pretty much what a lot of people's are. Is like, damn it, it's not a midfielder, you know? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it makes sense. I know this is somebody that we've talked about in the past, that we've looked at in the past. Um, young, promising player. Uh, we like to collect left wingers, so we got another left winger. I do think he has some position versatility, um, interesting signing in general. Just, I think, uh, you know, his first two big attributes that, that stand out are, are his pace, um, and his, his ability on the ball, which, you know, and then his two criticisms are his first touch and his decision-making. So who does that sound like to you? It sounds exactly <laughs> like Nunez. So I think there's going to be some interesting stuff here. Uh, I like the kid. I think it's very interesting. His game is almost the inverse of Firmino's, whereas Firmino was traditionally, uh, you know, he play, had some wing play, but he was essentially a striker who gave you the, those midfield attributes. He's essentially been playing as a midfielder with striker attributes. Um, I, you know, for a long time, he was traditionally thought that he was going to be a striker, but then they found out like just his ability on the ball and his ability to create for, for others kind of, put them in these wide spaces. So it's going to be interesting to see whether we do use him centrally, whether he stays out wide. Um, you know, I think everybody's got their opinion on that. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Kazi says, feels like the signing that shows that he sees Jota in the nine. And I think not only that galley, maybe it says a little bit about how hopeful we are in terms of like when and how Diaz will return. What do you make of like the, the move by itself? Or is it just like we wanted to grab him? I mean, really price-wise and everything like that, it's a lot lower than I thought it would be when we were talking about it. I think you mentioned actually like his name, his price would not even be higher and stuff like that during the World Cup when we were talking. So I was actually kind of shocked with the price tag. It looks like a steal at that price. 
I mean, United basically announced that they signed him yesterday for $55 million and they were doing backflips about it and all excited and high-fiving each other. <laughs> and Eric Ten Hag was all excited and smug during his presser. Um, and, you know, Klopp was really funny in the press conference yesterday. He kind of – he alluded to how well the Diaz signing worked and, like, kind of jumping a competitor and being pushed into the market. And, you know, it worked so well. Maybe why don't we do it again? And then, you know, Virgil's sitting there in his press conference pre-match talking about the excitement of new faces coming into the club. Uh, it almost felt like they knew this was happening. Obviously, they have some information. And it was a little bit of a needle, I think. Um, you know, when we were on here last week, we all said we thought we would have a win in the league. I don't think we thought we would have a new signing uh, by the time we came back on tonight. I'm excited about it because I do think we needed a sixth attacker. I really want Bobby to re-sign that deal, but until he does, he's only got three months left at the club and he'll be out of contract. So 37 million, it's in the perfect profile for signing players, young upside there's sell on availability. And um, basically to Alan's point, this is a much, much greater chance. I will never have to see Ox start on the left again. And that makes this an amazing signing. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's, I mean, we're going to talk about the game now. And I was going to ask you guys about actually before this news came out in terms of, you know, like Ox and uh, versus Carvalho and stuff like that in that spot. Uh, obviously, this kind of shows that uh, we were not happy overall with what we had to do there. So, Bickler, why? I mean, I think the short term where we see him is a lot easier, right? Because of the injuries to Jota and Diaz and stuff like that. How do you see it? I guess, like, I'll still ask the short term, but more importantly, long term, how do you see the shaping up, him coming in? Because then, I mean, with the injury bug that we always get, it's never safe, but it looks like down the road, obviously, it's kind of like, you know, too many good quality people up top you can never have too many i guess but i don't know if these guys will be happy to stay behind well i don't i don't know like linder's pep linder's comments made me lead me to believe that he likes him almost as either an attacking mid or a false nine centrally so i mean he didn't say that he said he's the missing link in what we've been missing in our link up playing between the midfield and the front three and i read that as Who's been missing? Bobby Firmino. So if you're looking at a player that has that, that just makes me wonder, maybe long-term he sees rolling him into a nine. But that's what I thought with Carvalho, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. That's what I thought we'd see with Carvalho. Um, so I, I don't really know. I, I, I'll also tell you, I don't know that Liverpool knows. I, I think that they saw an opportunity for a really great player that's obviously a system fit that has had experience playing in all three spots across the top. And I think they figured if we're having injury issues, we at least got a dude that at the very best can fill in at left wing, at the very worst provides depth for Mo because he can play right if he needs to. Um, and then the rest is all kind of a bonus. And if he fits in long-term, essentially great. If not, you know, it's almost like the Manchester City thing where they let the players play it out. And then the, they, the chips kind of fall where they may into the system. So I, I don't know what they know. And I think the price tag kind of helps that point a bit too, Gally. I mean, if you sign this guy for like, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 million, it almost like, well, you got to start him or something like that. Whereas this price tag almost like 
makes it easier to kind of work him in and kind of like rotate him down the road as like like Kazi was saying earlier, we don't know if Diaz is going to be able to come back. And when he comes back, he's not going to be like the old Diaz right away and stuff like that. This buys him time. But when Jota comes back, Bobby's available and stuff like that. I think the price tag kind of enables us to pick and choose as opposed to know for a fact that he's going to have to start. Yeah, and I think depending on what else we do in the window with midfield reinforcements, I'm sure we'll quickly touch on that or, or what this might, how this might impact that. I think eventually we're going to see them starting four of these six players when they're all fit. And to Kazi's point, I think that this does allow you to not really have to push Elliot. I mean, not Elliot, I'm sorry, not really have to push Diaz when he becomes healthy come March, April, whenever that is. And I think you just let him ease his way back, come off the bench, give you meaningful minutes build up fitness and then spend the summer getting right and coming back fully kind of operational come next August. So for me, we're starting four out of the five at that point. And I think the other thing it does do to Paul's point, I think it allows Carvalho and Elliot maybe to be the depth in the midfield. If you're only starting two of them in a lot of the matches, now you're not asking as much of Tiago. You're not asking as much as Fabinho and Henderson. If you sign one more quality, let's be honest, we replace Keita as the fourth person on that depth chart. I feel better about our midfield if Elliot and Carvalho and even Jones are five, six, seven on the depth chart with Milner coming in to close out matches. So maybe you only need the Amrat. I can't pronounce the guy's name. I'm just going to butcher it till he's a Liverpool player. Amrabat? Um, yeah, Amrabat. Amrabat, however, well done, Timuchin. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah. I, I still mispronounce Turkey in its Turkai, and you've corrected me a hundred times. It's not Turkai, man. That's the German for it. <laughs> well, for God's sake, it's Turkey. Mind you, I didn't Turkey. say Turkey, but I definitely don't say Turkai because that's like well, the German that's, for it. Now, I've, now I'm, that's how I'm going to say it from here on out. But, you guys but freaking glow it, for Christmas. It, <laughs> it really is. That, that to me is the biggest impact here is, is that I think that it allows you with a little bit more depth in midfield to utilize these pieces and push the real attackers forward and not waste Carvalho's minutes, Elliot's minutes playing in positions that they're not physically capable of. And I just think that's the most important piece of the signing. Yeah, I mean, if you try to read it between the lines, Bickler, like of the signing, like what is like the biggest takeaway? Is it like the basically like the future injury or when Diaz is going to come back? Or the fact that like obviously Carvalho or these guys were not able to like basically fill those shoes and maybe they are not ready yet to be able to kind of like throw into that role. Because this something like this buys time for a guy like Carvalho too instead of playing in you don't know much you know i know what my honest takeaway is from this being the signing my my honest takeaway is the fact that we went out and got a position that we haven't thought was a need for a long time but a need that came through injury and it's not a midfielder and it's not bellingham and it's not any of that well thing the, the thing that jumps out to me is that that means that there's either been a majority or a full ownership sale like yeah that's my takeaway because like to me it seems like a decent chunk of money that that isn't Bellingham money when we're apparently over here scraping pennies together for that, you know? So the my first reaction was, 
we got money somewhere from somebody somehow in some deal and it's coming down the pipe. So, I mean, so what does that say? You were talking about it earlier, Gally. Does that mean if we're like, just like, we're like, you want, what do you want? 37 here. And does that mean there's more money to kind of like throw around to midfield now in January? Or does that mean, you know, we kind of like grabbed this opportunity and stole the guy kind of like how we did with Diaz from going to another team and we're probably not going to splash the money for midfield where we really need it. I mean, that was my initial reaction too. I mean, like when I first heard the news, I was like, that's freaking awesome. Cause I'm really big on the kid. But this, like right afterwards, the second follow-up thought was like, yeah, but what about midfield? That's where we really needed somebody. I always felt that there was anywhere from 40 to 75 million for the right player or two this January. And I don't know that that changes. We did just spend 37 of it on, a player that some would call uh, a fringe need. So I'm with Paul. I do think that there will be an announcement in the next two to three weeks. I lean to believe it's a full takeover. You know, there was a lot of smoke around them wanting to buy the commanders, the Washington football team. There's even more smoke about them and LeBron teaming up to buy the expansion team that they're going to announce at the end of the year in Vegas for the NBA. I, I think there's real merit there, and I think that that would require getting two, three billion dollars of profit, which is what they'll walk away with here. So I think in January we're going to hear about a full takeover. I don't know where or who, but I, I think that's just what my gut says. And then I do believe we'll make another big signing um, probably in the summer, but I think in January it'll be that type of 30 to 40 million dollar midfielder that hopefully can give us depth at backing up Fabinho and at least Tiago, if not Fabinho and Henderson. I think that person has to be versatile, play a couple roles in a midfield. How about you, Bickler? Like, what do you think? Does this like kind of like leave the door open for like spending a bit more on a midfielder or does that kind of like use up the funds that we may normally I, would use? I can't believe January? that that will, I just refuse to believe that's our only signing. I think we probably got something solid in the works already. I think that we had probably lined up the second move before we even made the first move. So I think it, I, the thing that makes sense to me is, is the Moroccan dude. Um, I I'm think that's good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're smarter than you. me. I'll press every time you guys try to say you're smarter you, than me. Ox, there's all sorts of opportunities today for everybody. <laughs> like, but yeah, I mean, just from a, an age, wage, and price standpoint, uh, and obviously fit uh, in terms of what he does and what he brings to the table, I think that's almost a no-brainer. Like it would almost be silly for us not to do that one. Um, so I think that one, and then I think we're gonna see some. I think we're gonna see some big stuff in the summer. I would think. Um, I do believe the Bellingham. There's just too much smoke there. I believe that that is is in a place where it's achievable for us. And I didn't believe that probably two or three months ago. I didn't believe that prior to the World Cup. Yeah, I believe What do you guys too. think about the whole Enzo thing? I mean, is it just me that I feel I'm like really worried about because the rumor was that we were the club that offered 100 to Benfica who turned it down. I just feel like, is it just me that he, like, it's way too much. If Bellingham is like 120, 150, whatever it's going to be, doesn't that sound a lot for Enzo over there, Gally? I mean, because I hate that these World Cup, I'm sure like we were watching him before and monitoring him and everything, but I mean, I did not see as much. Like Bellingham, I can kind of look at it and say that's worth every freaking penny. 
I personally don't get that feeling with the Argentinian dude. Yeah, I, I haven't seen enough of them. And what I have seen is a lot of him rolling around on the pitch and yelling at people and kicking people from behind and like acting like an absolute turd, both while the play is going on and afterwards. So I think I'm having a hard time separating some of his antics throughout the World Cup. Um, but he was 100% deserving of being the young player of the tournament. He was outstanding. He basically bullied his way in to the starting 11 during the group play after the bad loss to Saudi Arabia and never looked back as a 19 year old kid. That's, that's pretty big ballsy move in his first major tournament. Um, Most people didn't know this, you know, he was actually a done deal to wolves and the deal fell through because of something they saw in his medical. They were supposed to get him for like eight and a half million. And then he ended up at Benfica and probably thought he was Portuguese. (laughs) <laughs> well, that was probably it. They probably realized. Oh, he no, like, oh. <laughs> yeah, he, he showed up and he was like, ah, oh, no, no, I'm from Argentina. Um, get that but, shit out of know, here. <laughs> there's a big difference when there's an S at the end versus a Z. <laughs> he he just uh, I I think he has a lot a lot of talent, and I you know I I'd be interested to see what he would do. I don't know that he's ready physically to play in the Premier League, um, but he does create with a variety of passes from deep. Uh, and he's been known to be basically a holding midfielder who does it more with like an attacker attacking flair. So it would be interesting to see how we would deploy him. I would see him as like a long-term replacement for Tiago. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't think he's coming to Liverpool, honestly. And if anything, I could see us just forcing United to go pay 150 million for him right now. And that's what I was going to say, because Kazi is saying maybe we have signed him. He's referring to Gakpo just to piss off United, which I believe that's how we should sign every player. And then he also said, like, Benfica can't turn down 100 million. I feel like now, yeah, like, it's go time for United, because United is going to be, obviously, like you were saying, Gally, this was almost like a done deal. And it looks so natural, right? He's Dutch, Netherlands, Ten Hag wanted him. Everything kind of like coming together. They're going to pay the fee and everything like that. So I almost feel like, yeah, Benfica can now be like, you guys should take this guy away from Liverpool for like 120 or something like that. And United could fall for that. Buy now. Buy. <laughs> Click the buy now and grab it. And what's your take on Enzo, by the way, apart from not being Portuguese, Pickler? Uh, I like him. I mean, he definitely like. There's a lot of shithousery with him, though. But, you know, like, he's the big not just being, player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how do you think I was? Uh, but not being Argentinian, like, uh, it, I think the comparison that comes to mind is uh, honestly Mascherano. Like, he reminds me a little bit of, of Mash in that midfield where he's got – he's a little bit smaller, but he's like a, a little pit bull. He's got a bit of that, like, bulldog in him. Um, I think he's got the teeth to play in the prem. I don't know. I think Galley's – probably on to something. I, I don't know if we know how durable he is though. Like, I mean, he can get in there and, 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 and probably throw it with the best of them in the midfield, but like over the course of an entire season of the Prem, can he handle that kind of uh, abuse physically? I'm not sure. Um, but I do like him as a player that a great tournament. I think a hundred million is crazy for him. Honestly, I, I think, if I'm looking honestly, I think like 65, 70 million, I can see him top out at, but 100 seems too much for me. Yeah. I, I think I'm just paranoid that, you know, like every World Cup produces one or two of these names yeah. that, you know, like oh. do well and that, you know, gets sold for a ton of money. And then actually, you know, the truth comes out. 
like that's why I don't have that concern with Gakpo because his name was out there and his performance was out there even before the World Cup. And we got to kind of like see him in action over there. And honestly, yeah, I mean, I think he's it's not like the guy that you see, it's not like Bellingham where you watch him and you're like, it's everything we need. Uh, but then again, after seeing this lineup over here today and seeing Ox on the wing, I mean, even at his best days, uh, I never liked Ox on the wing. Uh, watching it today, it's almost like, yeah, maybe it is what we need right now. So let's get to the game and then we'll like finish up with like some transfer rumors at the end. But uh, Gally, let's start with you. Uh, pretty much a natural lineup for the most part, except obviously that slot that needed to be filled. Are you okay with the Ox thing? Or let me ask you this way, Ox versus Carvalho, was there really a huge difference? I don't think there was. I, I would, I'm actually okay with the Ox thing because I'd rather see Carvalho get meaningful minutes coming in and substituting into a position that Klopp sees him in long-term helping the club. Because uh, I still think every time he's on the pitch, he does great things. He scores goals. He creates goals. But then I think that he also looks like he's thinking about where he needs to be at all times. And that's why I think you see Carvalho get yanked off at half and and subbed off more than most of the other players when he does get starts. So I was fine with the Ox starting, I guess, based on the players that were available and fit. Everything else I feel like picked itself. How about you, Gally? I, mean, I felt like, I mean, obviously I'm a big Ox apologist. Everybody knows, but I felt like watching him, at least defensively, he knew where he had to be when we're pressing. And there was at least a few moments that I can recall where his pressure resulted to, you know, like the goalie kicking it out of bounds or defender kicking out of bounds or us getting possession back. Whereas sometimes Carvalho gets lost and he'll be pressing next to Mo one second. You're like, dude, you're supposed to be on the other side. Yeah, that was kind of my point. Maybe I didn't say right with he always looks like he thinks too much. Like he's still trying to figure out his job here, um, which I which is completely understandable. He just arrived in the summer. I I think Ox did a nice job tracking back. I just think at this point we're honestly looking for anything we can to like say positives about what Ox does because it's been so long that I felt like even in our Discord channel today there were some like, you know critiques of ox's overall performance and i felt like we were going out of our way like almost describing the work nunez was doing off the ball without scoring and like comparing the runs he was making and the and the space he was creating for people and i was like you know nunez was actually creating a hurricane everywhere he went on the pitch like a tornado just moving around and causing chaos Ox was just like filling in roles. And in a lot of ways i felt like he was kind of invisible he didn't get in the way and he didn't make mistakes but to your point, he definitely tracked back and did his overall job. I just don't – I genuinely don't believe we're going to see much more of him if we continue to buy more players. Yeah, especially with, like – I mean, that's kind of like I assume that's part of, like, Gakpo. That's how it made sense instantly after looking at this line. I'm curious, how does Darwin get a 5.7? I think that's mainly because Sofa score, when they do these scores, it's based more on – you know, chances in versus converted and stuff like that. A lot of stats go into it. So they don't like just look at the play, but I think it's like a lot of number based. How about you, Bickler? I mean, what did you make of Ox's performance? Like, and would you pick Ox over Carvalho? Because obviously we're not going to have Gakpo starts next game on Friday. So, 
You know, I, I personally would have picked Carvalho because my my thing is I'm at least going to invest the minutes in the dude I know is going to be here next year. And like, Fair. but that being said, I think in retrospect, I think Ox was probably the better move, just because I thought Ox honestly was fairly good when we were out of possession. But yeah. that's the problem is his bright spot was when we were out of possession and he's up top on the left. It's like, you can't have that be your thing, man. Like, but like, I, I thought, you know, in terms of like holding shape, pressing, um, I, I thought all that was good. But I, I mean, it was just, I think Gally said it best. Like there was like a 15 minute span midway through the first half where I was like, I, I actually looked up how many touches he had because I hadn't seen him get anywhere near the ball in like almost a 12 minute stretch. So, I mean, yeah, it's in, in that regard, when you're in possession, you can't be playing with 10. So, um, I hate that. I it's just frustrating to know that we're in the spot where like you're choosing between him and Carvalho right now. It's crazy. Yeah, I know, and that's why I think this makes sense. Uh, Saido says if you should at least try and sign either Kudus or Amrabat, as Gali hinted, the fee in the region of thirty to forty. What do you guys make of Kudus, by the way? I mean, obviously he was very active in the World Cup and stuff as well. I'm not as sold, especially for midfield, but Gali. Price range-wise, I think it fits your mold, but I don't know if it fits this midfield. I, I was a little I, – I mean, I saw him more as an attacking player when I watched him in the World Cup. Um, I know that they say he has played in the midfield and would be open to playing in the midfield, but again – you know, if 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 you had just shocked the world today and dropped that we signed him for thirty-seven million, I would have been just as kind of floored, but I would have been just as excited that we had signed a really smart attack-minded, you know, uh, forward. I just don't see him as a midfielder. So, for me, I don't know that the Kudus one is um, what we need. Uh, I'll stick with Paul's approach and say we signed the Moroccan. <laughs> I'm robust. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Right okay, we'll, we'll do like a session where we Ugh. practice names Listen. before next week's pod. Oh. Listen, we know what this episode's name's called. Oh, yeah. No question. So, going back to the game, one thing that, and I know you mentioned in the Discord as well, especially for Trent, but I thought for both sides, I thought this was probably in a long time the best performance we got out of Trent and Robertson at the same time. And obviously that kind of like helps going forward. And you got to give credit to Mo and I guess Ox over there too in terms of like creating that space for those guys to push up. But really Trent did most of his work from like long balls from his position, whereas Robertson was making the runs. What do you make of those guys today? Bickler. We got, okay. All right. Was, I mean, yeah, it was great. I, I said it was the best half of like football I've seen Trent play since 2021. Uh, I mean, I thought he was like fantastic positionally. I thought he was great on the ball. I thought he was great off the ball. I thought he was taking chances where he should have been taking chances where he's been lacking confidence the last six months to, to take people on. I thought he did just about everything uh, you could possibly do in a half of football um, from an effort standpoint and from an output standpoint. So yeah, I couldn't have been happy with him. And Robbo looked like Robin for the first time in a long time, which was, was nice. Um are you shocked that he was taken out? Trent? No, no, because I think Trent's one of the ones that was hit pretty hard uh, in terms of the illness that went through. So I think he was like, I think he got hit pretty hard for that. And I think there was, 
they probably saw an opportunity to try to get I don't know, dude. I did not love those subs at 2-1 though. I did, I can tell you that. I know what I know it ended up working out, but I did not love that. Yeah, the funny thing is when those subs came in, I was like, this is either gonna be hammered tonight or it's going to be like a good move well, at the end. But well, it was one or the other. Well, what would have made you know what would make you think that other than the fact that me and Paul both commented within about 30 seconds of like a basically what the fuck? What are you thinking? Gomez is one thing. You can't bring in this kid. I haven't even started my blinkless rant yet. And the kid scores a goddamn goal. It made me laugh. It made me giggle. And then it made Jamie warm inside because a kid that he had barely ever heard about last year bangs one in right there. And, you know, we're going to build a statue. And it's what makes this club special. Um, you know, the kid played well. You know, it was a six minutes of glory. Uh, but uh, it was it was a it was a great touch after Darwin just did what Darwin does and just causes problems. And I want to get back to Darwin because obviously it's like a huge talking points and like people are on like different ends of the spectrum for some reason. Uh, it's one or the other. It's do more gloom. Uh, or in some ends like Victor over here, not on Nunez in general. But um, so going back to like, what do you, why do you think that sub? Is that for defensive stability, Galley? Or was it more all about legs? It was going to happen either way, regardless I, of the game. I, I mean, I know. honestly, if, if, the, what, the if that, <laughs> what do you think? Dude, you know what thinking? Yeah. Um, it, it almost felt, I, I have to be honest. Remember last year when he just started Tyler Morton and we all dropped the, what the fucks in discord. And we're like, what the hell's going on here? And then Morton went out and didn't play that well. And then later, like a week later, he was like, well, we need some players. It almost felt like we got this lead. Everyone's tired. I, I only got Phillips a kid and like a kid and two goalies on my bench right now. I'm just sending the kid out there. And I, you know, and if, if it doesn't go well, it's one more way I can look at the media and Riley smile and say, well, we need some players, right? Well, we need some help here. We play with who we have. And I, you know, he loved it. They got the third. It worked out well. He looked like a genius, but I could have easily been one of Klopp's like kind of, using in the media missives that he drops if that hadn't worked out. So I, I, he, he had no choice. I mean, who else was he going to put in there? You're not going to put Elliot or Carvalho or, or one of the kids in there. So he had already put Elliot on. So, but it just, there was really no one else to put in. Is that what you think, Bickler, as well? I mean, it was more like a defensive. I mean, we need some fresh legs, and this is the only guy I got. So maybe it was a message at the same time, like Galley yeah. says, and be like, hey, this is all we got. So Yeah, the only thing I can think is that he was concerned about fitting this drop off and that he wanted to just get some legs in. But gee whiz, man. Yeah, and I think, that, like, I just – I felt strongly for a minute like he was actively throwing this year. Like, I was like – that's what it felt like. And so let me get to that. I mean, obviously, I thought it was like a great first half, but we did give a lot of chances. And the second half starts, and you could kind of tell Villa would make that run. And how concerned are you with all the, I guess, chances they got, Galley? Because against a team that can finish better, we could have been in trouble. Well, I mean, it was a microcosm of the season, except for we actually scored three goals. I mean, for me, it was kind of like the similar match, right? We played better cohesively going forward than we have for longer periods at times. 
but we always gave up chances at the back. I thought Van Dyke and Matip got better as the match went on. And towards the second half, in the middle of the second half, Fabinho really stepped up and looked like Fabinho again for short periods as well and gave them good cover. You know, Allison stood on his head, made a couple great world-class saves, and if he doesn't, it could have been a different story. You know, if Bailey scores that goal in the first half and knots it up at one right away after we score, who knows what the, you know, result would have been. So there's still a lot of work to be done. And, you know, Tiago looked really, really poor for me off the ball all match long today. Turned the ball over in tough spots. Um, Henderson didn't look great, but I think it was how bad Tiago looked on the other side. And then, of course, Ox was kind of in and out. Kata didn't look great. Even Elliot was kind of subpar. So I, you know, there's, there's still a lot to work on for me coming out of this performance, obviously, but there were a lot of positives. That's for sure. What do you look that's like giving a lot of chances to Bickler? Is it based more on the midfield? Cause I thought the back four did fine, but is it the midfield causing that problem? Or is it the fact that like Ox, as well as he was good off the ball, that not having a threat on that side, for example, obviously changes how you defend overall. It does. I thought, I thought they were slow to, to, so, I mean, there's a couple of things. Watkins was playing between like Diago and Matip, which is causing some issues, but I thought they were slow on the left to close that delivery in like all game long. And that that's the diagonal that everybody likes to hit because it plays crossover to Trent's side too. So it's like this double whammy that people have figured out. Um, I saw a lot of things that were a lot better. Uh, the thing that I felt like was a killer was in the second half we started, and I don't know if this just goes back to fatigue, but like we just were losing every second ball. Like we just couldn't we couldn't get it back off on a 50-50 for like a good six minute stretch when they scored and that you could see that coming. But I thought on the whole, I thought we I thought we defended a lot better. Um, I mean, that being said, the bar was incredibly low, but I thought that it was a lot better just from a positional stance and a standpoint and like a shape standpoint, um, especially first half. Um I think the best opportunities they had came from some miscues from us on mishit headers. And then Tiago's one crazy ball from like our own goal area straight into the middle of the pitch, like in front of the goal yeah. was insane. Like that's stuff they teach you when you're six not to do. Um, other it's, than that, I mean, I, I thought it was a lot. I thought there was a lot of improvement this one uh, coming out of the break defensively for us. So if it is legs, Galley, is that concerning for a game like we play Friday now? Because this was pretty much, you know, the best lineup we could throw out there. You probably will have some kind of a rotation. Is that concerning that, you know, these legs are not going to get any fresher? Yeah, I think you have to be a little bit. And I think it's why we saw Trent come off. I think it's probably why we saw the uh, WTF moment when we were bringing on players with numbers in the 60s. Um, to see out a match that we need it to win like nobody's business. But I, I, I think it's probably going to mean a, a Gomez start somewhere along the way, either at center back or at right back. I think it's probably going to mean a Simicast start um, along the way. And it's going to mean a very, very welcome back Kanate. Because I think getting Kanate back and having that partnership really solidifying things. Because I think then you get the... Uh, you get the bounce out of Matip when he plays. 
because he'll be extra rested and fit. And I just think we have to really worry about Henderson and Fab. They have to stay healthy until we have reinforcements in. Those two more important than anyone else for me right now. Henderson that's and why Fab. I think it's concerning because, you know, you listed a lot of potentials, but they're kind of like the back line, which I thought did well. And, yeah, and that's why I think Bickler, what do you do with this midfield? Like, how do you change it now going into Friday, going against a Leicester team that – kind of like lost that game early against Newcastle and like they're prone to make that mistake. I always feel like this is a good Keita game because Leicester's known to make those mistakes as they try to build from the back. And that's what Keita usually thrives on. I just feel like Keita has been out of the picture for so long that like, this isn't that guy. Like, I feel like if he had a run of games going, if I feel like if he had a run of games going into this one, I'd be okay with that, but he's been out of the picture for so long. He looks like he's learning how to play with an entire new team because he is like that starting 11 has a lot of new pieces. Um, And I think that's the problem is I don't know how much you can really strengthen. Like that's your best. This, this today was the best midfield. And so if you can turn around and replicate that in five days, I don't know what else you do. Maybe move Harvey in and swap sides Henderson over and rest Tiago, bring Tiago off the bench for Hendo. Like, I don't, those are those things. Those are, but now you're, now you're having to choose where you weaken and like, that's not playing from a position of strength. It's the literal opposite. So that's the problem. And then we, I mean, we got into this when we had the center back crisis and we wanted to move midfielders out to center back because they were better players or had more experience. And then by default, we just weakened multiple positions. So it's like, it starts getting scary when you start doing that. Um, But I, I, that's like the only scenario I can see a change is like Harvey in swap Hendo, Thiago rest Fabinho, but who knows, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, if Bobby is going to be back, I can see, you know, yeah. Nunez shifting to the left-hand side. So at least you have some like stability that way and Bobby in the middle, try to open up that defense and obviously have that like pressing going on. So let's talk about Nunez for a little bit because it's either a flop or it's the best thing ever where I still feel like, as much as he creates Galley, do you worry at all with the, like the finishing overall in some of the chances that, you know, when he's one-on-one or as long as he gets in those situations, he's going to, those goals are eventually going to come. I mean, I am in the camp that goals like that eventually come when you've proven that you can score goals, which he has done, you know, and, and albeit a short period at Benfica, um, I've seen enough in his finishing when he has been in kind of some of the purple patches we've seen in Liverpool Jersey that I think it is there in his boots. I think the audacity to take that first time coming out of the sky one-on-one with the keeper is almost as much like I love that as much as if he fucking brings it down and just slots dribbles past the keeper and slots it. But you know, Suarez Suarez, his first year would have attempted that volley out of the sky yet he might have kicked it and the thing might have went into the side out for a throw-in and the same assholes would have said that he was an absolute flop and never going to make it in england because he didn't speak the language they didn't understand him yet he hadn't been embraced and kind of embraced into the club culture and i just think it's time with this kid because the effort is there i forget what kazi said he was he was like a horse running around a mall 
and it is kind of like that. Like if you were like walking through a mall and a freaking wild stallion just started running, bouncing off the elevator and going up the wrong way up the escalator and like knocking little girls down in like dressing rooms and shit. That's kind of what Darwin is like on the pitch. Um, but good things happen. I mean, he made that third goal happen out of sheer determination and desire. And I think he's been proven to be statistically the fastest person in the Premier League so far this year, which I don't think anyone thought when he showed up. So he's got all these skills. And I think mentally, the fact that he's still smiling and taking shots and doesn't look like he wants to hide um, and looks pissed when he gets subbed off because he knows a goal's coming and like a big moment's coming. I think it's great. And he just keeps getting assists. So I think the goals come and he's going to be a star and I think he's fun to watch. So, you know, I'm one of those people who it's all it's all roses right now for me. me I mean, Darwin. that's the thing I think we're seeing more and more from him is the fact that he's creating. I mean, so his runs, his full speed runs. I mean, that's not and that's why I was kind of like, you know, excited with the Gakpo prospect because that's a lot of speed running at a defense. And so even if they do not get the ball, it's a lot to worry about for a defender. And I think he's doing that efforts, runs. Bickler sometimes he's off, probably <laughs> gotta wash the line better and stuff. But how much are how concerned are you with the finishing? Or the finishing? I'm not at all concerned guy. about it for all the reasons that Galley touched on. I mean, he does remind me a lot of Suarez, like his first season. Like, I mean, they're very different players, but the fact is is they were both very, very technically raw goal scorers who carried the burden for every team they've ever been on and had to learn how to play uh in the Premier League. And I think yeah, like I, there's a moment in that – I can't remember if it was first or second half. There's a moment where he breaks in 1v1 with the keeper. And like Nunez two months ago would have taken and just smashed it from a very low percentage angle. And instead he looks far post and, and one of their defenders gets a flick on it. If that defender doesn't get a flick on it, that's a goal because he saw the far post runner. And the fact that he's even picking his head up in that spot – tells me that he's developing as a player inside the system and in this team. And as just an actual raw player, I mean, I think we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg. I think he's going to be a, I think he's going to be a Colossus. And I love, I mean, the horse analogy is great because he's so long legged. It's he does literally gallop and it's uh, some of the stuff he does is breathtaking. I mean, you get, and you put Gakpo in the mist and now you got multiple bodies up front over six foot that are going to cause a different sort of problem too um, when it comes to the corners and in balls over the top anyway. So I think it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So let me ask you this then, Gally. I mean, we were talking about earlier and we said, you know, like Akbo's arrival kind of like pushes Jota into the middle too. Uh, and obviously you have Bobby there and we talked, they, I mean, there was talk that, you know, we're trying to sign into an extension. I don't know if that will change now that we signed Gakpo and stuff like that, but down the road, do you see him on the wing? Uh, I'm talking in terms of Nunez or do you see him in the middle? I, I see him in the middle eventually, but I don't think that, that that has to happen. I think if he plays out wide or we play in a system with two up top, I mean, I think at times it looks like we've been playing. I mean, at times today, it was basically two up top with him and Mo. And I thought that that looked like it, it suits him the best, where he's playing on the left of a front two. And we keep saying we want Mo more centrally so he can score goals like he has been. And to me, I think our best formation is the two of them 
operating kind of in a two man strike force um, with a player behind them, whether that be Bobby, whether that be Gakpo, maybe Paul's right. And eventually it's fat. It's Fabio as well. Um, but I could see it being Gakpo, you know, Gakpo behind Mo and Nunez with Diaz out on the left. Um, and then you have an impact striker like Jota to come off your bench and actually score you goals and an impact player like Bobby. I could see that as a way to maximize using the four of them and all the talent on the pitch. Now, you probably need that to be like Fab and Bellingham in the midfield and not Hendo and Tiago, right? If you're going to put that many attackers on the pitch. Um, but could you imagine those four? put in Bellingham's skill set and those two fullbacks bombing forward? Like, could you actually imagine what that's like with Kanate and Virgil in the middle? I mean, that's an 11 that we go out feeling like, you know, we should win everything. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's what I mean. There's like a lot of firepower to defend there, and now you have guys behind them if you're able to get Bellingham or... But I only, I only added one more person. <laughs> To actually make that 11. And that's why I think it's worth every penny. Like when we were talking about it earlier, like 150, I think that's worth every penny because that guy fills in like everything you need in that situation, especially with a lineup like that. So Uh Saito was saying earlier, uh, game against Leicester City is always a very tough game. Yeah, he said the Hendo and Fabinho and Matip needs to rest. So we're assuming Konate should be good to go, right? Uh, who do you put in this midfield if it's up to you right now, Bickler, for this Leicester City game? Oh, God. Um, That's not an option. Fabinho. I'll probably start with Hendo. And, I mean, I'll, I guess I'll stick with my original comment. Uh, Hendo, Harvey, Fab for this, and then bring Tiago off the bench. How about you, Gary? Yeah, that's probably where I would go as well. I don't think that you, you know, I don't think you start the kid, and that would really be your only option, right? You start the kid for Fab and give him a rest. But I think Fab played well. You have to build off that. So, second half for me was probably the best half of football that Fab's had consistently uh, in a while, where he looked like himself. So, I think you start Fab, Elliot, and. Henderson, I will say it's intriguing your shout about Kata. I just can't imagine Klopp handing Kata a start at this point. If he did, I would be honestly more floored than I was seeing Ox out there in both the League Cup and this match. No, I mean, really, I it would it would make me even more surprised because I was kind of with Paul. I thought there'd be excuses to why he wasn't fit until he was at another club. Um, and now it looks like if they can't move him for a fee, they're just going to utilize him the rest of the way, which they should. Um, but, you know, I, I, I won't be shocked at all if they get a fee for him before the end of the window. Um, but we'll have to see because, well, the window hasn't even opened yet and we're already signing players. Who is this club that we support? Yeah, right? FSG. Uh, so, I mean, here's the thing. It's <laughs> – I was like <laughs> – I was thinking of – 
the same midfield. And the reason I said Keita, but I think I understand Paul's point too. It's kind of like handling a start is pretty tricky when we're only trusting him with like 20 minutes or so. But I can see him maybe being the first one off the bench for like Hando or Elliott and stuff like that. I just like it's kind of pressing against a team like Leicester who struggles to build from the back but insists on doing it. Uh, so that's like the good way to kind of like go at that team. But uh, let's take a score prediction first. And then I want to guess, guess about another calendar prediction. But Galdi, let's start with you on this one. Friday's game. When we come back here on Monday, this is the part A of this question. What is the score going to be? Are we going to be able to get the three points out of that? Yep. 3-0. We actually keep a clean sheet. Build on the offense. Damn. This, that's like kind of, kind of confidence I like, man. And Mr. Pessimist over here. Here we go. Uh, Bickler. Spoil the mood, baby. Spoil the mood. 3-1. They're going to have to prove it to me that they can keep a clean sheet. Fair. Yeah, that's fair. I think I'll go with 3-1-2. I can see them hurting us on the counter in one of these where we – I mean, I know this is a habit. Alan says 4-0. I'll go with that too. Um, But I realize it's a habit for defenders. Been there, done that. Where you raise your hand for the off, right? But in this day and age, you would think after seasons of playing with VAR, why do players still keep doing this, Pickler? Because it just yeah. it's gonna happen if it happens. I know it's a habit and yeah, it's no, like no. a reflex. Been there, done that. I've done a ton of times, and you're trying to kind of like buy the the ref, like your confidence makes the ref is like, man, he looks way too confident and raised the flag. But that's gone now because we did it a couple of times this game where it was like, put your hand down right. and freaking get back in the position. It's going to get to the point where you can tell the age of a player by whether they do that or not, kind of like cursive handwriting. <laughs> like if I see somebody writing in cursive, I know that they're like, you know, at least 25 years old. Uh, they don't teach that shit in school anymore. Uh, like it's going to – I. I it is weird to see people do that because you're like, bro, you don't have to do that anymore. It's all like, like – <laughs> I think it's saw the memo. We're not doing that anymore. Like, yeah. Yeah, just Yo, they got like that. that's not how any of this works. Like <laughs> that thing is right. over now, kind of a right. deal. But uh, so Gally, you were talking about earlier that there was no way we were. I don't even know if I asked a question about a signing or anything like that, knowing it's not January yet. Uh, last Monday, but it will be January second. Next time we're on on the Monday podcast. Will we have even more news? Will we be talking about another player like we did with Gakwa today? I don't know that we'll be talking about a done deal signing, but I have a feeling that we will have a strong indication to what midfielder will be coming in. Cause I think reinforcements are coming in early in January, not late in the window. I think they knew who their targets were. They're out there working it. And I'm hoping that um, it'll be one of the players that we really need. And, you know, someone that can come right in and go in quickly. So hopefully it's news of a pending deal, but I'm not sure we'll have another signing by Monday night at eight. Since you said that, by the way, let me ask you this for like the Gakwa signing. Cause you were like mentioning that, you know, like the timing of it, the, the fact that we signed them early, is that because we don't have time to dick around? We need these reinforcements right away. Or was that before United gets them? You think? I think it has a little bit to do with both. I think it is because United was pushing for it to get there. If they would have just gotten off their ass and made an actual official bid, it probably would have been over. Um, I think Liverpool swooped in, got it done. But I also think that he has already left the Netherlands club. So he's in England ready to do medicals. So, you know, he could start practicing literally within a day or two, and then he can't be registered until the first. 
But once he signs the contract, he can actually start to like get acclimated with the club, do all of his medicals, find a place to live. So I think this is all signs that they feel like they think they can bet him in pretty quickly to at least be an impact sub. I think they need him. I mean, we're going to have games. I mean, at a rapid, rapid yeah, pace. Yeah, stud at wings. So like- I mean, that is, I mean, I didn't want to keep mentioning it because I feel like at this point, I feel like at this point we're just piling on because he doesn't honestly look, I mean, Kazi made a comment about him being mentally checked out earlier in the comments. He actually looks like a guy who is like semi like depressed and or wandering through life. Like he looks like a guy going through a midlife crisis or a guy who's just right about here. to have his or or about yeah or like, about a guy <laughs> about to have his first kid and he doesn't understand what what it's life when is you guys really talk about, about me change. when I'm in a room. <laughs> he can't hear you. Um how about you, Bickler? Same question to you. Uh we come back next Monday. I'm will we be talking about a new guy that's imminent has signs freaking starting? I can't imagine. I can't I mean I think we'll hear some rumblings. I don't think we'll have anything concrete next week. Never but say never. I do think I mean, this developed yeah. way too fast today. Yeah, I mean, maybe we will. But I, I do think that there's going to be some business done this January outside of just this one. I just don't know it will happen that fast or not. Sounds good to me. And then we'll practice saying names. I think it's Amrabat originally, but, you know, I'll convert it to English for Amrabat for you guys. And we'll just go on that way. And it's Turkey for those of you taking notes. Uh, we'll work on the stuff during the week. So next Turkey. So, yeah. Turkey. Turkey. Yeah. For all we say, he's a quick learner. I'll give him that. He's a quick learner. Well, make sure you guys grab your globes, get some studying done, get some name pronunciation done. And next Monday, we will be back. Thanks to all joining. Give us a like, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, make sure you follow us on YouTube as well uh, with the morning shows. And we're going to be getting back in action with the, the Premier League show as well. So thanks a lot, everybody. See you guys next Monday. Have a great week.